everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here, and Happy New Year to you and yours. Uh, here's to hoping and praying that this coming year is full of love and uh, laughter and joy for each and every one of you. I'm grateful that you're joining us for this new year of Bothell Amplified. We are continuing our two-week series, Reflections from Two Trees. Uh, last week, we started with uh, Genesis 3, uh, looking at the first tree uh, that was found in the Garden of Eden. Today, our Director of Program Ministries, uh, Celeste Devaney, uh, is preaching from Revelations 22. And she is uh, talking about that last tree and how we can be called into living into God's preferred future as we look towards all uh, that this new year has in store and as we look towards it with hope. So check it out. Last year, a very, very dear friend of mine passed away, and I helped her sister clear out her home. Among the things to be given away was a bonsai tree, a bonsai tree that nobody wanted. It only had about half a dozen leaves left on it, and those looked like they were barely hanging on. We talked about just composting it, but it belonged to my friend, and I believed that bonsai trees, they're rare, exotic, and wonderful, and I wanted to save it. For some bizarre reason, I thought I could coax it back to glowing health. Why? I have no idea, but I suspect temporary insanity. You see, I've never been able to keep a houseplant alive before, and I imagine myself to be the Florence Nightingale of bonsais. It didn't turn out that way. Three months after I acquired Treebeard Jr., which is what I named my tree, this is what it looked like. <laughs> yeah, and I freaked out because I hadn't been able to save this super-duper rare bonsai. So I got onto the Google and I actually found a bonsai doctor. Believe it or not, we have a local one. And I made an appointment and took my poor, pathetic tree to him, telling him that I needed to save my super-duper rare bonsai. And he looked at me with seriousness, and he examined the tree, and then he looked back at me and he said, actually, it's a ficus from Costco. <laughs> now, a Florence Nightingale of bonsais might have known that, but I didn't. The doctor said he would try to save it. So Treebeard Jr. was pruned, repotted in good soil in a shallow container and given plenty of water every day. The doctor, though, couldn't guarantee that it would survive. He told me to call back in another month and put my tree on life support in the Bonsai Tree Hospital. And yes, there is a Bonsai Tree Hospital, and my tree was an inpatient. And you can tell... Uh, do you know how you can tell it's in the Bonsai Tree Hospital? It's wearing a wristband to identify it from other hospital patients. Last week, Pastor Joe spoke about a creation story found in the third chapter of Genesis, which tells of a tree of knowledge of good and of evil. This tree was in the Garden of Eden, a beautiful place that God had created for Adam and Eve to live. They were told not to eat of the tr fruit of this particular tree, but they did it anyway. And after they ate its fruit, they were ashamed and hid their faces from God. Today we're looking at a very different tree in the book of Revelation. But before I can get to the talk about the tree, we need to look about at the book itself. 
Revelation is the final book of the Bible and was written for people facing serious challenges. You see, when Revelation was written, sometime in the late first century AD, Christians were in a very, very bad position, politically speaking. Nearly a century before, the Emperor Augustus, yes, that one who census sent Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, that one, demanded that the sitting emperor in Rome be worshipped. The early church members disagreed and word of their rebellious nature grew. Later, Nero burned down half of Rome, probably to expand his palace, but he blamed the Christians on the fire. And after that, Trajan expanded the idea of emperor worship to include all of the dead emperors that the Roman Senate decided to deify. According to research scientist Dr. Carol Ashby, not worshiping the emperor was considered either treason or sacrilege or both. Both were capital crimes. Followers of Christ at that time still refused to do this, and they faced horrible consequences. So through, throughout Revelation, you'll see terrific theological thoughts dressed in fantastical apocryphal images. Many scholars believe that the book was written to encourage and strengthen believers facing hard times. The whole Bible, and Revelation in particular, is filled with both illusion and metaphor, and our scripture today uses both of these literary devices. It refers back to other Bible, biblical stories and writings, starting with the Genesis story, the, the one that Pastor Joe preached on last week. Today's text talks about a similar place, but instead of Eden, we have a new, improved version of Jerusalem, and it will be a new dwelling place that God will make for God's people, an urban Eden, with a river flowing under the throne of God and of the Lamb. And while it doesn't talk extensively about the flora and fauna there, it does talk about a specific tree. Now, trees are mentioned a lot in the Bible, 314 times, in fact. And while the trees in Revelation 22 remind us of the tree of knowledge of good and of evil in Genesis, it also alludes to something else. The first century reader would think of the trees mentioned in Psalm 1 largely because of a specific detail. Trees planted by streams of water. Now, we're not talking about random self-seeded trees here like half of the alders in Washington State, but trees wonderful trees specifically planted to grow and bear fruit. The writer of Psalm 1 uses trees as a metaphor for a righteous, happy, blessed person saying they are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season. Their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. So the logical question is, what does someone have to do to be like a tree planted by streams of water? Well, the psalmist says that they delight in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. I like the way Eugene Peterson interprets that line of, in his Bible translation, the message. He says, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. As we look ahead to this coming year, there are endless ways that we can chew on Scripture. We can start by reading it, by joining a small group or volunteering to lead one. 
You can be a part of worship either in person or online every week. And I say be a part of rather than attend because all of us together create a worship service. We chew on scripture together. Beyond worship, every day is a new opportunity to be Christ in the community in an unexpected kindness to someone you don't know, in buying fair trade, in writing a letter to protest an injustice, in volunteering to help here at the church or in the community in a tithe or in an offering. That's how you grow, like a tree planted by a river that gets plenty of water and care. Well, I called the Bonsai Hospital every month for three months. The fourth month, my tree was finally released from the hospital, and I brought it home with a book on Bonsai Care 101. This is what Tree Beard Jr. looks like today. Yep. Are you ready to grow, to be strong, to thrive into this new world? And it is a new world that we're all headed for. God gives us a vision full of hope in Revelation 22. A brand new world with water flowing from God's throne that will be like a river down the middle of the street, nourishing that urban garden and those trees that are called the tree of life. Best of all, in this new world, God will dwell with us. Where Adam and Eve hid from God, we'll see God's face and we'll worship God in person. Friends, this vision challenges us, Christ's church, to hope for but also to be ready for what's to come. So as we look to this new year, 2022, let's be Christ's hands and feet, eyes and ears and mouth until the reality of John's apocryphal vision whatever that will be, finally comes to pass. Please join me in prayer. Oh, God, thank you in advance for your preferred kingdom. And may we work with all that is in us and all that we have to bring this vision to our world today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so that was our last sermon of this quick two-week series, uh, Reflections from Two Trees. I hope that it was a meaningful way for you to cap the end of 2021, as well as to look forward to all that 2022 has in store. Next week, we're going to launch a new series called One Simple Thing. Every January, we make it sort of our uh, vision or our mission to set a theme for the year. And uh, this year, our governing board, as well as um, our leadership, uh, came up with the idea of one small thing. Uh, we'll talk more about that next week, and you'll get to hear more about it over the course of four weeks. Uh, in the meantime, stay tuned for some exciting news and announcements on how we might uh, move forward with Bothell Amplified. We are still tweaking uh, a little bit on the conversations and how uh, we might uh, really um, make meaningful these conversations as we look at the ways we live life through a lens of faith. Uh, but stay tuned for that. Uh, more information to come. In the meantime, I hope you had a great, great start to the new year. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Mm-hmm.